This is Daniel Fagell of Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about AI trends. That's certainly something we've done plenty of over the course of the last five or six or seven years we've been running the show. But our focus today is going to be on AI reshaping the workforce, a topic that's only been particularly timely for about the last year. Certainly, redefining the workforce is an interesting application area. But now that we've all been hurled into a land of almost permanent remote work for at least some of us, there's a lot to consider in terms of when and how we return to the office and in terms of how technology can enable us to work productively and what that looks like even two or five or ten years into the future. And our guest this week happens to focus a good deal of his time thinking about the future. Michael Biltz is the managing director of the technology vision at Accenture. For many years, Accenture has come out with their annual technology vision, focusing on a number of core trends that they think are going to define the year ahead. I was fortunate enough to have a good relationship with Accenture over the years. We had their CTO on our program some four or five years ago. If you type in Accenture CTO, E-M-E-R-J, Emerge, the name of our research firm here, you can find that older interview. And so I was at one of their technology vision events three or four years ago, back when I lived out in the Bay Area and got to see some of the displays and presentations of some of what they're talking about. And of course, 2021, a lot of the focus, not surprisingly, has to do with adapting to the new world that we've all been hurled into with the coronavirus. And the future of work is a big part of that. So where does AI play a role in the near term? And what does the future of work look like five years out when it is AI enabled? What are some of the big areas that corporations need to think about? And if you're leading a company or starting a company and you want to know what's it going to look like when we're all working together productively half a decade from now, this is an interview that I think will hopefully be eye-opening and certainly was interesting for me. And if you're interested in finding more AI trends in whatever industry you operate in, be sure to download our free PDF brief called Three Ways to Find AI Trends in Any Industry. You can go to emerj.com slash T3. That's T as in trends, and then the number three, emerj.com slash T3. And you can download our free PDF brief called Three Ways to Find AI Trends in Any Industry. But without further ado, let's go ahead and fly into this interview. This is Michael Biltz of Accenture here on the AI in Business podcast. So, Michael, glad to have you with us. And we're talking today a little bit about the future, but the future is sort of now when we think about the first trend. You and I are going to dive into the future of work, which we're living in as you and I are both working presumably from our homes. What did you folks find that was biggest picture trend-wise of how things are going to change even after this pandemic and where AI might fit in? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is that this remote work is for real and it's going to stay. You know, so we did a survey and we basically came back, and I think even we were surprised, is that 48% of people believe that after COVID is gone, that they are going to be working full or part-time remotely. And that is a enormous shift. I mean, to give you an idea of the magnitude of this, what we're talking about is that we haven't seen a big a shift in the workforce since World War One, World War II, when we conscripted. And what we're seeing is that, you know, it's this idea of working remotely that becomes half the problem that says, how do I connect through technology just to do my job? But then the other thing that I think people haven't realized yet is that we've not just created a remote workforce, we've created an isolated workforce. 
So if you think about all of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis to talk to people at the water cooler, you know, to understand, engage their reactions because you can read their body language, the meetings and personal, you know, relationships that you create is that suddenly these things fade into the background. And so suddenly now we're looking to technology to, I'm going to say, one, start to reconnect us so we can do our jobs, which is where we are now. And then that next step is going to be, you know, how do I create a corporate culture using technology and specifically using, you know, smart technology, AI, you know, in order to fill those gaps? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess maybe that's a good way to think about it. There's just the foundational questions of how do we keep operations going if we can't catch up in person and run things the old way? But then there's what does it look like to build a company from here on out that needs to do everything we used to do in person and maybe more without that? And so through through technology as sort of a medium. So you're kind of leaning into teams and culture. There's obviously an operational side of this. There's communications. Man, there's so many cool directions we could go in. And the future of work is going to be a wild journey to follow in the next three years. You know, what are some junctures where AI starts to enter the picture for some of the future vision you folks are seeing that should be on the radar of executives? Yeah, I mean, I think the start is to realize is that we're already seeing them, is that it's not this leap that says I have to suddenly take a workforce that doesn't deal with AI or even a remote workforce to do it, is that sometimes it's the simple things that says, how do I add AI, you know, think components that exist right now, you know, into Microsoft Teams to do real-time translations, you know? We're, yes, a multicultural you know, world. We speak different languages. Most people speak English. You know, but the reality is, is that having titles underneath in your native language is a huge help to making sure that you're getting your points across. But I think more than that, where we suddenly see AI happening is that, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's a little sensitive, is the we lose our touch points for understanding the well-being of our workers. The who's engaged, who's doing well, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, particularly yeah. in a pandemic. And so what you're talking about is the fact that I actually have technologies that says I can look at people and understand sentiment analysis, that are they engaged? Are they happy? Are they angry? You know, that I can understand, you know, how people are using the tools, who they're talking to, you know, what their network's on. And yes, we have to make sure that we do it, you know, in a private and responsible way, you know, but the things that we would normally do just to to manage your team, you know, suddenly we're going to be looking to AI to take that role. Yeah. Okay. So you know, we can poke into this one first. I know you've got a lot more we could dive into here. So yes, em- employee engagement or, or lack thereof, uh, you know, it's possible that you would just know, you know, there's eight people in this little core pod over here. And if one person just sincerely is not pulling their weight or, or maybe it's just kind of in a rough place personally, and we can all kind of sense it or wh- yep. whatever the case may be, there might be a way to just sort of walk up and address that. We can look at posture. We can see when they come in in the morning. We can walk over and have a conversation, be friendly. Without that, you know, the things that immediately come to mind for me, and, and I could see how, you know, you're getting at this could be sensitive, right? Because I think some of the alarm bells that go off in people's minds would be like the surveillance, you know, corporations or, or what have you. And certainly yeah. I think those are real considerations and concerns. I'm, I'm not demonizing the technology by itself, but I could see how it could be used in a way that people would think is sketchy. But what comes to mind is, yeah, you mentioned sentiment. I mean, could be sentiment across Slack, email, what have you. Could be sentiment across, you know, call logs, etc. And yeah, if we're just seeing really big spikes from, you know, one team or, or one person for kind of a somewhat unusual amount of time, there might even be ways that we can correlate those kind of things to performance of teams if, if there's like teams that are experiencing similar things eventually. So 
it feels like coaxing out in an NLP sense, the sentiment could be one thing, but there's obviously also maybe ways to track and look at output in some sense through AI. Where where else does this does this AI sense of well-being and sense of productivity and sense of fit really fit? I mean, I, I think it comes into AI is going to be your mechanism to collate all the things together. You know, because there used to be this big hole that says, yes, I can track my documents and I can track my emails and things of that standpoint. You know, and even, you know, the more advanced ones that Slack or sharing screens and stuff like that, those were already in the background. But there was always this big hole that says, yes, but most of the stuff happened verbally. Is the I would talk through it, yeah. and that was kind of this non-digital fact. And now that we're adding this in, suddenly we have a data set for AI to look at that says, I understand the actions and interactions that people are having, and then understand what they're doing with those. And the amount of you know what skills are needed for certain jobs, you know what skills would be best for folks, the sentiment analysis to understand you know who's thriving in this COVID world or who needs you know some reassurement or help is that there's this treasure trove of data, and we're going to have to be careful that we don't become the you know the new big brother and how we use it. But just being able to kind of digitize these you know actions. I think is going to be a, a new wave of both, you know, encouraging and, in, you know, making the people are engaged and active and productive. But I also think it's going to be a way that says the, you know, fundamentally, as we use AI to do these types of things, is that you're going to start to be able to manage your culture. You yeah. know, most of yeah. us feel like culture is just something that happens. And the answer is, it happens because you have a common set of understanding of what you want and what's important and what's priority. But being able to codify that is something that we haven't done in the past and I think is something that we're going to be looking to AI to do in the future, especially as we're communicating more and more through these digital channels. This is all very, very plausible. It seems to some degree to be you know, inevitable. Just to get a, a little bit more narrower, just see if there's other ideas you have here. The NLP thing around communication certainly feels like it fits into the mix. What are the other kinds of data, parts of touch points, ways of looking at things like engagement, sentiment, uh, happiness that kind of, you know, come into the mix? Activity, you know, in terms of how many lines of code they wrote or how many meetings they attended or, you know, there's that sort of thing and looking at those trends over time. There's the sentiment and potentially, you know, entity recognition or whatever else inside of messaging platforms. What other data points can start to paint the culture picture that could be something that we could gauge and understand? Yeah, I mean, I think the culture picture is that you also start to create relationship maps. The who are you talking to? How often are you talking to? Where are the power centers? What are the skills for the people that you have access to? You know, because we all know that you work with most the people that you like. You know, and there's an amount of that says that you're going to be more predisposed to doing things in a certain way or working with certain groups based off of your friends, your your network, etc. But right now, most of those networks are relatively invisible in the background. And I think having that understanding that says, who do you interact with? How do you interact with okay. those folks? Yeah. You know, become interesting ways for us to both, you know, encourage and understand, you know, who are those glue people that are making everything happen in your company? You know, as well as when you have things that you're working on, that how do you make sure that you're actually getting the support that you need? And some of that is just 
seeing whether or not you're actually contacting the right person, you know, but I think more importantly is that eventually we get to a point where, you know, we start recommending, oh, you guys were talking about this, you know, who should be involved? You should get this person from this department or just loop them in, you know, manually. And the more we make this just easy and seamless in the back end, you know, the more that suddenly, you know, whereas, you know, right now doing the social thing, you know, creating those relationships can be hard. You know, now you're almost talking about a matchmaker, you know, but from a business perspective. Yeah, yeah. We're already seeing a lot of applications for the sort of the broad, very open-ended notion of sort of enterprise search. And there's a lot of vendors in that space. Some healthy chunk of that is focused on finding expertise. Like, Who do we know that is the best at C++? Who do we know who used to work in pharma? Who do we know who was in sales, but now is working in marketing, whatever the case may be, and being able to just sort of riff and, and pull that stuff together to find those folks. What you're saying is that it sounds like, yeah, we've got activity, which we talked about. We've got kind of sentiment messaging. And then we've also got a way of understanding relationships, like the connectome within the company on some level and being able to connect maybe the right people that need to get connected. Yeah. And even connect them for different reasons. Because you mentioned expertise and that that becomes the ones you start with because it's the easiest to say, ah, I'm about to install an SAP program. So I need an sure, SAP sure. expert. Yeah. But it's harder to understand the, I need somebody who's going to be able to get people to adopt this program. Who do you recommend for that? And the answer is now you're talking about the relationship and network, or now you're talking about who's the right person who's going to have the strings to invest and yeah. you know in this particular program that I want to do. But there's lots of soft skills that you know and understand because you meet them, you understand their personality and their style to get things done that are frankly, just not recorded in the system. And I think these are going to be the types of things that are going to make our next generations of these you know, much more powerful. Yeah, I mean, certainly the next generation will be more powerful. At the same time, it's going to be a bumbly walk forward, just like it always kind of is with AI on some level, figure out what works like, oh, quantify your culture. It's like four years, like maybe Google's doing some of this already, but it'll yeah. take a while for, let's say, places with 10,000 plus uh, engineers or something to like figure out calibrations of what kinds of connectome visualization and what kinds of sentiment and what kinds of communication patterns correlate well or not well to productivity for different kinds of roles. Like there's going to be a ton of iteration to make it work. But I think at some point, there will be best practices. There will be vendors that evolve and harden some of those best practices, and that stuff will proliferate. It seems very plausible. I sometimes think about AI today in, in terms of individual users, like a, a schmo like you or me. Um, I'm not calling you a schmo, by the way. I'm just using an affair, you know, <laughs> ran, random term. You're anything but a schmo, Michael. I assure you, you're a fine gentleman. But you know, a regular old user like you and I, who have, you know, we have an iPhone or whatever we've got. I think about it almost like lotus eating technology. In other words, it's sort of really well optimized to have us do things other than work. In other words, uh, whether it's shopping on Amazon or watching the next YouTube video or uh, you know Instagram feed or what have you, and like, there's the social dilemma topic. I'm not necessarily going there, but I'm just saying, writ large. We're really, it's, it's, this technology is primed to pull us into kind of distractive places where advertising and e-commerce revenue can be rife. It seems to me as though there will be a countervailing force. And I, I wish it started three years ago, but I, maybe it's just starting to bubble up now. I don't, I don't still to this day don't see enough of it, but I think I'll see more where, uh, instead of being lotus eaters, it'll be optimized to drive us towards our own self-identified or corporate identified goals. So AI will be calibrating whether it's our background music and lighting, 
whether it's our messaging and prompts that we see not too often, but often enough to be productive, whether it's what kind of things are on our dashboard that it'll sort of move us in that direction. Where else for you? And it seems like you're nodding your head here. So it sounds like you're following. You guys have looked ahead at a lot of this. What's maybe another place where that productive AI is starting to blend its way into the workforce? Well, I think that's the, just the point is the where we've seen AI struggle is when the goals and the priorities for the AI are different than the people who are using them. So if the AI is trying to push you to an advertisement, the AI try to push you to a product, and when the product is the one that you're searching for, it's amazing, and when it's the thing that you don't actually want or need, you know, it's terrible. And I think what we're talking about here, we're aligning what those goals are. Is It says, how do I take something that says in my work mode of my personality is the, I've got goals and things to be done. You know, my success in a company is going to drive the success of the company. And so there's certain alignment that talks about how do we get that AI to not just look at it as something that does something that I may use, you know, a service, you know, but rather how is it a teammate that's actively going to be working for my benefit? You know, and I think one of the nice things that we're seeing happen too is that as I'm going to say companies are focused not just on the value that we're producing at Worker, but the values of how we do things, you know, starting to become more of a top line message is the AI becomes a really good way for us to start to embed some of those things into our workforce. And whether you're talking about, you know, how do I make my company more sustainable or more diverse or enforce privacy is the a lot of these things, you know, feel good at that top level, but it's not until you can really start to ingrain those rules and preferences into things, you know, that it really becomes important. And I think AI is really going to turn into one of those ways that says, when you're doing interviews, you know, can you detect whether or not, you know, people are biased? You know, when you're looking at the stats of who's getting hired, you know, can you understand where things, you know, intentional or not, you know, aren't going to the way that, your stated goals are. And I think that that's going to become a really interesting way to change our company because, as you said, it forces us back to the headspace that says, you stated that this is your goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's when you stray from it. Yeah, yeah. Adherence to objectives. So maybe, you know, I, I, again, I've been hoping for this for so long that, that there would be this wave of, you know, the opposite of, of Lotus Eaters where, again, adherence to objective rather than adherence to the goal of the platform. And it, it sounds like, yeah, in your, in your case, you mentioned kind of hiring, recruiting. Who knows? Maybe we could even talk about, maybe it could be something like sales. Like, hey, kind of here's what the last week has looked like. Here's what the previous three months have looked like. And these habits seem to be really well correlated to first meetings. You know, this stuff yep. might kind of blip back on your dashboard because, you know, this is your work habit that seems to correlate to what's working for you, Steve, you know, at, for your commissions here. And so, you know, you could see it popping up in a bunch of different ways. And it sounds like for you folks... There's just a vision of more of that coming to life, more more AI bringing us to, to what we want to be. No, I think that's right. You know, and I think where the way we're really looking at it is this idea that says, is there any reason why you don't have AI essentially on your team? You know, that says the and it seems like a weird concept when you're sitting in a table conference table and you're looking at the three people next to you going, oh, is there something listening in the background? But when you're on a team's meeting and you've got, you know, five people from your team anyway, you know, the idea that you would have another AI who's listening in, who's taking notes, who is you know setting off action items that's setting up the next meeting, who's, you know, trying to understand who didn't get to speak up. 
suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I would love to have this assistant and here's all the things that they could do to help me in my job. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly some of that, you know, that you've painted is is aspirational to some degree, right? Like the, the setting of the next meeting and distilling the, the action items. I mean, maybe there's certain clusters of that that could happen. That said, you're not talking about something 10 years away. You're talking about something that presumably a good deal of this sort of in-meeting productivity enhancement is viable. And it seems to me like, yeah, there's a little bit of a security concern, privacy concern. People might worry about them. I'm not going to diminish that. But I will say it seems like teams that in the background are doing more because AI is enabling things without them having to push buttons, those are just going to be winning teams. And I think some of technology adoption is whatever wins. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of bumbling forward to find what that ambient intelligence win is for productivity. However, I think it's there. And it sounds like you believe it is as well. I think it is too. And I think people are going to be surprised that says, yes, there's going to be bumbling forward. Yes, there are going to be mistakes made. Yeah, but there's a lot more out there than we think. You know, so let me give you one example is cool, that cool. the scientists at uh, University of Liverpool is that they're currently using, you know, largely pushed by COVID, you know, robot chemists. And so now you have remote workers that it's not just this idea of AI who, you know, makes suggestions and does things in the background, but they're actually the ones who are doing the physical chemistry. And the really neat thing about that is that once you realize that you can start interacting with the real world too, is that suddenly it becomes less of a, yes, I can optimize and find algorithms. And now it becomes a, well, even when they go back to work, suddenly you have somebody who's going to be doing the night shift. I've got a team full of robot chemists that are working all night. And so I go in and I do it during the day. But I think how we work together with machines, you know, is going to change pretty drastically in the the near future. Yeah, that that ensemble, you're really opening up Pandora's box. I know we have to wrap up here, but that is, uh, it gives us a lot to imagine. You know, you see the videos of there's some Japanese uh, convenience store where they have avatar (laughs) robots or people trying to stock the shelves while they're sitting at home through the robot. And of course, all of this is very new and very early. But hey, you wonder what two, three years of that training that many instances of good and bad, you know, stocking of a, you know, a carton of milk or something, how dexterous they could be. Same thing with chemistry. I think a good takeaway here is that the way those ensembles come together, physical robots, intelligence in the background, whether we like it or not, it's going to be a part of the future of work. And and more than not, uh, Michael, I do like it. And I like that we got to talk about it today. So thanks so much for being able to join us and sharing some of your thoughts today. Thanks for having me. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you to Michael for joining us, and thank you to you for listening all the way through. We recently had another of Accenture's leaders on our other podcast. Our newest podcast is called the AI Consulting Podcast, where we interview AI consultants, not only at some of the largest companies in the world, like Accenture, but also at newer companies. We ask people what it takes to start and grow an AI consultancy, and also what it takes to work with clients successfully to close deals and to really deliver AI value. The hard work sometimes leans on the consultants and the service providers, and they're often learning some of the most challenging lessons about what it takes to make AI work. They're not just selling the technology, they're doing the implementation and the education to go along with it. So Arnab Chakraborty, who is the Global Managing Director of Artificial Intelligence at Accenture, based in the Bay Area, was on our AI Consulting Podcast. If you haven't heard that show, 
I would admonish you to go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, go to SoundCloud, type in the AI Consulting Podcast if you're thinking of starting your own consultancy, or if you want to learn the hard lessons of AI adoption and ROI from leaders in AI consulting, leaders such as Arnav Chakraborty, who again holds a rather prominent position in Accenture when it comes to applied AI, then be sure to listen to and subscribe to the AI Consulting Podcast. Again, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, any of the platforms where you like to listen to audio, you can find the AI Consulting Podcast. So I hope you'll join us on that show as well and listen to Arnab's insights, and I hope you were able to enjoy some of Michael's insights. So thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to catching you next week here on the AI and Business Podcast.